I'm not actually leading our teaching time today, just doing a little introduction real quickly here. Um, and I want to show you a verse that we just blew past a few weeks ago when we were wrapping up Acts chapter 15, and hopefully this will explain why we're doing what we're going to be doing the next few weeks. And if you wonder why we blew past it, it's because the guy that stands up here and teaches a lot of times talks so much that there's no way for us to hit on every single verse, and this was at the end of chapter 15. And so, But this is Acts 15, 35. This is right after Paul and Barnabas finished their first mission trip. They come back to the church in Antioch, which was you know, their home church that had sent them out on the trip. And it says this, Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord. And then notice this last part, with many others also. And at this point, we've seen enough to know that Paul is a really significant leader in the early church and a really significant teacher, a great teacher. He writes, out of the 27 books that we have in the New Testament, Paul writes 13 of them, like almost half of the New Testament. And then Barnabas has been a significant leader in the New Testament church even longer than Paul. Before Paul was even a believer, Barnabas is there at the very beginning, you know, in Acts 4. And so Paul and Barnabas are two of your biggest leaders, biggest teachers in the entire New Testament. And here they are at Antioch, teaching and preaching. And yet with Paul and Barnabas, the church at Antioch doesn't say, hey, if Paul and Barnabas are here, they're teaching all the time. That's all we need. It's Paul and Barnabas. It says Paul and Barnabas are teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Just like this verse that we would blow by and not even think about where the New Testament is showing us a multiplicity of teachers. You know, spiritual reproduction where where teachers are being raised up within the church, where God is speaking through multiple people. And, And one of the reasons why I think this is, and you will see this pattern, like if you start looking for it, you'll see it through the whole New Testament, is because it's the reminder that Paul's not the head of the church. Barnabas is not the head of the church, right? Jesus is the head of the church. There's only one who's capable of being one. (laughs) There is no other leader who can fill the role of Jesus. There's no other leader like Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church, and there are all these other people, these gifts that he gives to the church, preachers and teachers and pastors and apostles underneath him, that he gives, but all of them are imperfect and incomplete and inadequate and insufficient in and of themselves. And he builds his church in such a way where we are all interdependent on each other, that we need each other, that none of us has everything the church needs and none of us has everything we need on our own. And it is great for us to need each other, to speak into each other's lives and to bring accountability and different voices and different perspectives with the Bible always being central. The word of God always being central. That that's the thing that never changes. The spirit of God and the word of God is sufficient for the people of God. And it's just a good way for us to see it where it's like they had Paul and Barnabas and that wasn't enough. (laughs) They had many other teachers also. I'm pretty familiar with the lead teaching pastor at this church and you don't have Paul (laughs) and you don't have Barnabas. And so if when they had Paul and Barnabas, the the pattern was for them to have many other teachers also, it's a good thing for us when we don't have Paul and we don't have Barnabas to have many other teachers also. And so for the next five weeks, we're going to be in a series in 1 Thessalonians. 
And there are five guys in the church that um, I've gotten to meet with them. All, all six of us have met together several times over the past few months, and we've already studied through, texted through First Thessalonians together. And each of them is going to take a week and, and more or less teach through a chapter of the book each week. And so uh, this week, Adam Alm is going to be teaching for us. Adam's one of our elders, um, probably the elder that, that you know the least as far as up here. You know, Keith's up here most weeks. I'm up here most weeks. So it's going to be great for you to hear from him this week. This is the first time that he's ever preached publicly, uh, like in corporate worship. And so you can imagine what's going on right now in his heart and mind. I'm going to have him come up here in just a minute and pray for him. But I want you to know why we picked First Thessalonians. As we go through Acts, it's really easy sometimes for us to read it like it's a story and forget that it's historical, that it is history. These things really happened. That when Paul's on these missionary journeys, every city you read about is a real city that existed in the Roman Empire. When he goes to these cities, these are real people and these are real churches that he started. And a lot of the, the letters that he wrote in the New Testament are letters that he wrote back to these churches after he had started them. And so last week when we were in Acts 17, and, and Adam's going to bounce back there for us here in a minute, but when we were in Acts 17, we saw Paul go to Thessalonica. And we saw him persecuted there, run out of the city, but he also, there were believers who heard the gospel for the first time, came to faith in Jesus, and a church started there. And so for these next five weeks, when we look at Thessalonians, this, this first letter they wrote to the Thessalonians, this is just an example for us of the relationship that he continued to have in these cities, with these churches, with these believers, even after he left. And so for every city where we don't stop and look at one of these letters right now in Acts, you know that this, this, is, what, this is an example of what it was like. So the next five weeks in 1 Thessalonians, Adam's going to start for us today. Adam, if you want to come up here, I'll pray for you right now. Um, and then, uh, yeah, listen, until you get ready to do it, you don't know what it's like. So, uh, <laughs> You feeling? Great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pray for him. If you'll be praying for him too, and then he's taking over and running with it for us. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time right now. Thank you for the truth of your word and the power of your spirit and your faithfulness to give your church and your people everything that we need by your word and by your spirit. And so I ask you to do that right now, Father. Teach us by your spirit from your word as only you can. Open us up to the truth of your word and open the truth of your word up to us. I pray for Adam right now, Father, that by the presence of the Holy Spirit that you'll calm his heart and his mind, that you will speak through him, give him your thoughts and your truth and your words, and I pray that you will give him the grace and the gifts that are needed for the good of your church this morning and for the glory of Jesus this morning. Thank you for Adam and for your work in his life and for the way that you've called him and, and gifted him to help lead our church. And so speak to us right now through him. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thanks, man. Thank you, Andy. <clears throat> well, <laughs> so as, uh, as Andy said, I'm Adam Ulm, one of the elders. Um, in fact, he, he kind of, stole my thunder a little bit. I was going to say, start off with three things, um, which I'll do anyway, because that, that's in my note, mo notes. Um, I've never done this before. <laughs> um, I, uh, I'm not qualified. I don't have training to do this, other than maybe 
being a pastor's kid. Um, actually, when I was growing up, often people would say, do you want to be a preacher like your dad? I'd say, no. I want to be a police officer or a ninja. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so God often takes us places where we, uh, sorry about that, um, we don't expect, and that's okay. We're just called to trust and, and do what he asks us to do. So here I am. So the second thing I was going to say is, is Andy, though he admits he's not Paul or Barnabas, he, he is very skilled. I'm no Andy. I'm no Paul. I'm no Barnabas. So the second thing I wanted to say was, please have low expectations of me. <laughs> Um, in fact, my, uh, a very good, this, this is not in my notes, but, but it's been on my heart this morning. One of my really good friends, uh, texted me last night and he had found out that I was going to be speaking this morning and I, I hadn't told him and, um, sorry, <laughs> I think he was a little hurt that I didn't, uh, ask him to be praying with me on this and, and I'll be honest, I was, I was probably wrong in that. But I didn't tell him, I didn't tell my friends, I didn't tell my sisters, I didn't, I haven't told my parents that I was going to be up here. And part of that, I'll admit, part of that is, is pride of being scared that I'm going to mess up, you know. But the majority of it is, I shouldn't be the focus. I don't want people to tune in to see me speak. And ideally, I would be transparent. And you wouldn't see me, and you wouldn't hear me. You would only hear the Holy Spirit speaking to your hearts today. So that's the third thing I was going to say, is please have high expectations of what God's going to do through His Holy Spirit from His Scripture today. So, um, the first thing I want to do is kind of do a recap on the section in Acts 17, uh, verses 1 through 13, where uh, Paul and, and Silas are in um, Thessalonica. So I'm just going to read through that. Uh, Justin, if you could put that up on the screen. <clears throat> now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous. Taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men, who have turned the world upside down, have come here also. And Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, 
And when they had arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Okay, so when I'm studying something, it really helps to have context, which is why I wanted to uh, recap Paul and Silas's trip in Thessalonica. Um, but also, I, I'm not a, not a teacher. I don't believe that's necessarily one of my gifts. Um, so I wanted to do some research on Thessalonica, what it was like during the Bible times. What I found was that Thessalonica is north of Greece, Let's see, you can see up here. Um, In the Roman province of Macedonia, it was a port city and a naval base right on the Aegean Sea. It was strategically located by sea and land to make it very accessible for commerce. Therefore, it was a relatively wealthy city because of all the trade. The population of the whole region were mostly pagan and worshipped many gods and idols. It's, uh, as you can see, Jerusalem is down there in the lower, lower right corner of this map. And um, it's a long way from Jerusalem, or even Tarsus, where Paul is from. There are enough Jews there to have a synagogue. And Paul and, Spilet, Paul and Silas spent approximately three weeks there before they had to escape. So... That's kind of the background, the context where, where we're coming from. So, I'm going to take a drink of water here. Thank you for, I'm thanking you in advance for giving me some grace. I'm not used to this um, as I fumble and bumble and look a lot at my notes, so I appreciate that. <clears throat> okay, so, Paul then is thinking a lot about this church that began at Thessalonica. Um, they started off, right off the bat, they were, um, they were persecuted by the Jewish religious leaders there. Um, so it was a rough start. But Paul cared about them very much, and so he wrote this letter to, to check up on them <clears throat> and encourage them. So I'm going to go ahead and read through 1 Thessalonians 1. It's uh, a short 10 verses, so shouldn't be too hard. Paul, Silvanus, Silvanus is Silas, by the way. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. 
For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who, deliver, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Okay. Now I'm going to do my best to, to do what Andy does and write on this iPad. So, <laughs> uh, what is God, what is the Holy Spirit revealing to your heart about God? <clears throat> Very good. Jesus rescues us. Uh oh, Andy. <laughs> Here we go. Nope. <laughs> Here we go. There we go. Jesus <laughs> rescues. I can remember how to spell us from the coming wrath. Carol, if you're online, Carol said, you have better handwriting than Andy. I'll take it. Yes, that's how the chapter ends right there. Jesus rescues us from the coming wrath. That, that's the resolution of everything. What else? God has chosen us. Absolutely. That's, uh, I believe, right here in verse 4. In Christ we have hope. <clears throat> we don't have hope in ourselves. Hope in ourselves, hope in the things of this world is ultimately empty. Did someone have something over here? Oh, good. <laughs> Same thing. God, through the whoops, there we go. Let's see if I can figure this out. Uh, say that again there, Ken. God, 
Uh oh, I lost my pen here. No, I might need your help up here, Andy. <laughs> Lou says there's uh, missing the pencil. It's it's not showing up here. There we go. I got blue. Ah, here we go. Okay, we can do this. We can do this. Okay. There we go. Got it. God through the Holy Spirit <laughs> convicts hearts. Got it. God, through the Holy Spirit, convicts hearts with the gospel. So God's work is done through the Holy Spirit with the gospel. Even in our afflictions, we can have joy through the Holy Spirit. My handwriting is getting progressively worse. <laughs> That's right. <clears throat> Anyone else? Ah, great. Yes. So in verse 2 here, he says, let's see. Believe. Are, are you talking about in verse 3 where it says, work of faith, labor of love? Yeah, yeah, okay. So, um, any, let's see. I might have to have you repeat that for, for me. Any work we do, Tyson, what was that again? For God. Any work we do for God comes from faith. Yes. That's right. The work of faith, the labor of love, all of that are inspired by God through the Holy Spirit. Okay. So, let's see. Let's uh, look through these real quick. If you have any more, feel free to... to uh, Jump in, let me know. Jesus rescues us from the coming wrath. God has chosen us. In Christ, we have hope. God, through the Holy Spirit, convicts hearts with the gospel. Even in our afflictions, we can have joy through the Holy Spirit. Any work we do for God comes through faith. There's some pretty solid truths in 10 verses. 
So as I was going through this, there were three main points that, that stuck out to me. Um, so I'm going to go through those right now and, and just kind of drill down on those. <clears throat> but you've, you've kind of hit on all of them already. <laughs> um, so the first one was that in verse 4, God chooses those whom he wants to use. And he kind of, Paul kind of sandwiches this, this truth in verse 3 and verse 5 with evidence of that. In verse 5, this is my paraphrase, he says, because the gospel you, you received from us wasn't only words, but you also re- received power in the Holy Spirit, and you received it with full conviction. These kind of things don't just happen on their own. They are, they are very clearly the work of the Holy Spirit. And in verse 3, he talks about the work of faith, labor of love, steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Those are not uh, leisure words. <laughs> they don't just happen. They, uh, they're not fun. They, they don't happen, especially in an environment like Thessalonica, where you right off the bat, when you learn about Christ, you immediately are um, arrested. Jason and some of the brothers were arrested and forced to put up bail. Um, I, if the Jewish religious leaders were willing to immediately go cavort with wicked men of the rabble, as it says, and stir up a mob to go attack Paul and Silas, I, this is my assumption, it doesn't say this in scripture, but I think it's fair to presume that the persecution of the new Christians there in Thessalonica didn't just stop. <clears throat> the conversion of the Thessalonian Christians is an example of God doing a spiritual work in them by the Holy Spirit through the gospel. It's the same thing that Andy keeps pounding into our heads every week. <clears throat> if you're hearing this and you're moved by the Holy Spirit in your heart and he's revealed to you who Jesus is and you, that you were created to be in relationship with God, then God has chosen you to spread the wonderful news of who he is. So this point that God chooses us, that, that's you. Think about that for a second. As far as application, how does this apply to our lives? We need to keep speaking the gospel because God has chosen to use us. <clears throat> so the second main thing that stood out to me was that God gives joy through the Holy Spirit regardless of the situation. This, that truth right now, right there, that makes me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't know about you, but uh, I've struggled with it. all through scripture, it says to be joyful in, in all circumstances. And I, I've always struggled with that because I'm not. I'm not joyful in all circumstances. I've, I've, had a, I've had trouble with that and had trouble understanding how, how I could be joyful in all circumstances. And and I've got a pretty comfortable life. Um, so I had to ask myself, why is that? And why, why do the short-term struggles of this world 
cause me not to be joyful? I think the answer is right in the question because my focus is on the short-term struggles of this world instead of having an eternal perspective like God, God does and he wants to give us. In John chapter 15, at the beginning of the chapter, Jesus says, abide in me. Have rest, take rest, take refuge in me. And then he continues, and at the end of chapter 16, take some time, make a note, go, write the, go read those two chapters. Um, at the end of chapter 16, he says, so that you may have peace. When we abide in Jesus and our focus is on him, and our focus is eternal, the short-term struggles, they are, they're still struggles, but they can't cloud our long-term vision. And so we know that God has us in his hand, and ultimately, he is going to resolve all of the struggles. And so we can have peace, just like it says, Jesus said at the end of John chapter 16, we can have peace. And once we have peace, that allows us to have joy. So, the short-term struggles, I'm not saying they're not real, but they can't get in the way of us having joy. <clears throat> so, I'm going to do... Uh, a little spoiler alert. And at the end of uh, chapter 5 in 1 Thessalonians, Paul warns not to quench the Spirit. Right after he tells the Thessalonians to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. When I'm abiding in Jesus, I find that I'm communing with him in prayer, that my spirit is thankful, and that I'm rejoicing in the fact that I get to be in relationship with an everlasting, perfect, and loving God. That's how I can have peace. That's how I can maintain my joy. It, it goes for short-term triumphs too. If you have good things that happen to you and you do have joy, but it's based on something that's not eternal, it's not bad, but that's not going to satisfy you for eternity. So it's hard to rejoice and pray and be thankful when I'm not resting in the fact that Jesus resolved all my issues. <clears throat> so, several years ago, we, uh, my family was living in San Diego, California. That's where we moved here in 2017. Um, I was working in a job that was pretty specialized, um, and wasn't really transferable. I felt very pigeonholed, and God blessed us with my wife getting pregnant with our first child. Um, so right in the middle of the pregnancy, there were some issues, some contract things that came up at work, and it looked like I might be out of a job. And I was, let me tell you, I was panicked. I was scared. I didn't tell Nicole about it. <laughs> um, I didn't know what to do. I was calling my friends, asking if they could help me out. And um, I was not 
at peace. I was not abiding in Jesus, and I was not joyful at all. Um, I was scared. But as God does, he came through, he provided, and he taught me, hey, I am in control here. You don't have to panic. I'm in control. Well, several years went by, and we started feeling the call that we should move. We didn't know where we were going to move, but it, God made it pretty clear um, out of the blue that we were going to move to Nashville. I know you probably thought we moved here for the weather, but uh, no, it was definitely God leading us here. And um, I was still in that same job, but I had matured a little bit in my faith and, and um, knew that we were moving one way or another. If we moved here and I had to, you know, go look for a job at a gas station or something, I was going to do it because God told us we needed to go. So, um, once again, I was nervous, but I wasn't panicking. I was, I was abiding in Jesus more. I had matured more in my faith. Um, and... But I, there was some anxiety, let me tell you. I, wasn't, I won't say that I was completely joyful and completely at peace. But once again, God provided a great job, a job that I couldn't have got on my own, for sure. Um, and he continued to show how he was faithful. Well, 2020 rolled around. Pandemic, huge round of layoffs at the company, I got laid off. Um, and by this time, God had showed me in so many ways, not just with the job, just in so many ways, over and over and over again how faithful He is. And that it wasn't, it wasn't about me. It wasn't how special I am, uh, for sure. <laughs> uh, but He just had showed me, as if the whole entire Old Testament wasn't enough to show me that God is faithful over and over and over again. He showed me that he's going to provide. So this time, first time I was, I thought I might lose my job. The second time I had time to find a job. This time I was out of a job. <laughs> but once again, he came through and provided an even better job than the last job. It doesn't always work that way, but... God is faithful, and when we abide in him, we can have peace through these troubling times. So, joy. As 2021 turned over and we rolled into January, I really felt God telling me that this year, 2022, is going to be the year of joy for my family and for our church. So, um, he gave me this prayer that, um, well, first of all, I want to acknowledge the past couple years have been rough, right? <laughs> the past couple years have been rough for everybody, but um, my prayer for our church, and I would ask you to jot this down and pray it with me throughout the year, is that this year will be a year full of joyful praise and thanksgiving to our Almighty Father. 
not just joy for the sake of being joyful, but joy in who God is because he is so amazing and awesome. <clears throat> and that, and, and thank, thankfulness that we get to be in relationship with him. So the application is that we would abide in Jesus and be joyful for who God is. Now, let me find my way through my notes here, sorry. So, that was not the right page. (laughs) There's got to be a better way to do this. I haven't gotten there yet. Finally, the third big thing that stood out to me in this chapter is that God uses messy and broken people to spread his word. That's great news. Now, I, this, is, this point, there was, there was too much packed in here. I couldn't, I couldn't figure out a way to put it in, in one sentence, so I, I'm going to give you two. They're, they revolve around the same thing, but, but um, God uses messy and broken people to spread his word, and God creates amazing turnaround stories and uses them like a megaphone to spread his message far and wide. Man, that's good news for us, right? Considering how the Jewish religious leaders treated them, it was amazing that the Thessalonians even received Paul and Silas. Instead of chasing them out of town or rejecting them, they converted. They listened. They accepted the word. In the face of immediate persecution, they didn't turn back as the missionaries left. They, uh, God used this amazing turnaround story. Idol worshipers and pagans hear the gospel and accept it. Several are immediately arrested and accused and then presumably continually persecuted and yet they don't turn back. They can't turn back. Since learning about Jesus and how he's the resolution to all of scripture, the Holy Spirit has completely flipped their lives upside down and they can't unhear it. They have accepted the gospel with full conviction. This story is so outrageous that it spreads through all of Macedonia and Achaia without Paul and Silas having to do anything. Which Paul says, we need not say anything. It's just, it's such an amazing story that God uses these broken, messy people in this pagan town to create this amazing turnaround story and spread his message through the whole area. It's truly amazing. Only God can do that. Uh, Again, when we were in San Diego, we we were trying to fix up our front yard. A lot of yards there have like these desert scapes, you know, because you can't, there's not enough water to go around. So, we, uh, we were fixing up our yard, and, and we went to Home Depot and got some, you know, packs of flower seeds, and they had California poppy flower seeds. It's the state flower, by the way. Um, it's, I think it's illegal to pull them up and throw them, or, like, uproot them. Okay. Uh, anyway, so uh, we get these, <laughs> we get these, uh, these flower seeds, and we sprinkle some in this little front garden. And um, I, I think the first year we might have gotten a few. 
the next year, we got more and more. Every year, it was more and more. And they were spreading over the whole yard. We had a, a big area of rocks. They're filling the rocks. They're coming up out of the rocks. And they're beautiful, but we're like, man, these, these things are just spreading all over the place. We couldn't stop them. And they were reproducing like crazy. And that's, they're beautiful, first of all. And so it was okay. But um, that is an example of what happened here. It was beautiful and it spread and no one could stop it because that's what God does. In uh, verse six, he says, God, or uh, a point I got out of that is God leads us so we can lead others. They, uh, let's see here, verse 6. And you became imitators of us. Uh, oh, wait, we're not drawing on this anymore. Sorry. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. <laughs> they, the Thessalonians were Im- imitating Paul. Paul and Silas were examples. First of all, they followed the Lord, and then they provided an example for the Thessalonians. And this is the, this is the reproduction we, that's why I'm up here. I'm not trained to do this, clearly. I'm not very skilled at it. But God uses me. God uses you. God wants to use you to spread his message like those poppies and make it beautiful. And it's circular, which is so cool. So the, let's see, what was that first point? Was that... God chooses whom he wants to use. God uses messy and broken people. And we go right back up to the top there. God chooses those messy and broken people on purpose because it glorifies him. Only the glory of God can do this. So, the application God can use your situation to glorify himself. And there is nothing, all caps, there is nothing that Jesus' blood can't redeem. Your story, your background, Jesus' blood is powerful enough to, to, powerful enough to redeem your situation and your story and use you to spread his word far and wide. If you abide in him, if you rest in him, and are willing to be used by him and not quench the spirit. At the end of the chapter, and this is, I think, quite a bit shorter than Andy's messages. That's what. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> Lou says we still got, what, 45 minutes? All right, here we go. <laughs> The application, yes, for that, for that last point is, I'm going to find my notes here. Threw me off. I got laughing. The application is that God can use your situation to glorify himself, and there is nothing that Jesus' blood can't redeem. With emphasis. So, as, um, as Paul all right, he didn't end the chapter. He's just getting going in, in his letter to the Thessalon, uh, Thessalonians. Um, Thessalonians sorry. 
but at the end of chapter 1, the way it wraps up is that, I'll read verse 10 here. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Jesus delivers us from the wrath to come. Only he can. So abide in him, have peace, and be joyful in all circumstances. Okay. So, um, worship arts team, if you want to make your way up here. Um, I'm going to just close us in prayer, and I'm, I'm going to pray that prayer over us about joy. So join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, you are so good, and we are so privileged to get to be in relationship with you. We are so thankful for who you are, and that's all I need to say for who you are. You are so good. God, I pray that you would bless this church with joy, overwhelming joy, not just empty joy that are short-term joys, but a, a deep and fulfilling joy in who you are. Lord, please make 2022 the year of joyful praise and thanksgiving to our Almighty Father. Thank you, Lord. We love you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you.